1: My name is J.J., and along with my wife Liz and I, we have the honor of leading our church as pastors. And it really is a a privilege, a joy, the joy of our lives. And we want to thank you for letting us do it. And uh, we're looking forward to what God's doing, not just in this series. We're in week two of a sermon series that we're calling Legacy, uh, but really in this season. And we have said that these next four weeks, or three now, uh, actually six, uh, it's a lot of weeks. I lost count, but... This next season is, is more than a series. It's a season. It's uh, The Patriots hat just distracted me, David. Come on, man. Can't preach with you in the front row. You can't have to go to the back, bro. Um, just kidding. But again, not really. Um, threw me off. Something about Jesus, I don't know. Oh, yeah, this season. This season, this season, we're not just in a sermon series. We're in a season. And, uh, and there's a big difference. Because in a sermon series, my goal is to inspire you. But I told you that a pastor's job, his main job, is not really inspiration. I spend hours on these sermons, and I hope that you laugh and I hope that you leave here wanting to be a better person. But my main goal, my main job as a pastor, the actual root word comes from the word shepherd. My main job is not to leave you with inspiration, but catch this, to leave you with a destination, is to take you somewhere. From the person you are to the person God wants you to be. And uh, inspiration fades. But if we can go somewhere together as a church, I I think those places that we go to, they really last. And so I want to give you a quick snapshot of this season, where we're going. If you came last week, I shared it. I'm going to share it again. I'm going to share it next week and remind you of where I want to take us as a church. And the first thing is December 9th. Everybody say December 9th. Uh, We've got our Legacy Sunday. And if you're new to the church, then I'll just, and you've heard me talk a little bit about it. But this is a once a year Offering that we receive that we give away above and beyond um, our ties. And what I love about this offering is that we don't need it to cover the expenses of the church or operational expenses or anything like that. It's something we completely give away to the vision of Journey to other people. If you weren't here last week, then you missed. Uh, what we're doing locally, nationally, and globally, we're giving uh, to Samaritan Village uh, a home here. One of the few homes in Central Florida that help rescue women from, self tra- from, from sex trafficking. We're giving a teen challenge. One of the live-in facilities, one of the few live-in facilities here in Orlando that helps men and women break drug addiction and, and find a career path and get training. Uh, we're partnering with uh, church planning organizations. And we are also pl- uh, uh, have a mission to reach globally. And so we're building a Journey Well in West RC, Ethiopia. And uh, we're actually going to build that well right in front of a church so that when people come to receive water, they'll also receive living water. Somebody say amen. And I just think that it's amazing that we can all be a part of something powerful, something bigger than ourselves. And then uh, also you should know that there's an amazing team of people who have already been doing this the, since the beginning of the year. That's what our legacy team is. That's, that's uh, Yeah, we've got some of our legacy team in the house today. And uh, we love them. and. And there are people uh, who are given above and beyond since January to these initiatives. And you heard us talk about JLA. I'm excited about that. We've got another surprise for you next Sunday to let you know what we're going to be doing with our church and this building and so on and so forth. This team is going to be having a lunch on December 9th. It's absolutely free to anybody who wants to join to hear more about uh, what God can do through you if you're a business person. And I like to say everybody is a business person. If you've ever told somebody to mind their business, you're a business person, okay. Anybody who's not in ministry, God's given you a platform to leverage, to make a difference. Also, it's not just uh, in these doors, but out of these doors, um, we're doing acts of kindness. And we shared this last Sunday. If you weren't here, we, we actually ran out. We ordered a 500, we ordered 1,000 cards, they all ran out. Um, I'm like, we did not even have a 1,000 people that come to this church, but apparently we all have a 1,000 friends if we add them all together. And uh, this card right here says something extra to show you God loves you. And on the back it says, and so do we. And it has our logo and our website. And the idea of these cards, I'd love for you to grab them. They're under the blue tent. Is when you go out to eat after church today, because that's one of the best parts of church, going out to eat after. Somebody say amen. You know what I'm talking about. All right. And so when you leave that tip, okay, if you, let me just say, if you leave anything less than 18%, please don't tell people you come to this church. Okay. Um, I just don't want that reputation in the community. You got to leave at least 18. But here's what I'm saying. If, uh, regardless of whether they were a good waiter. Some of you guys wait to, to see if they did a good job to give them a tip. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't wait to see if we'd be good people before he died for us. He just did it because of who he was and not because of what they did. But anyway, um, so just give 18 regardless of where your food came in hot or cold. But what I'm saying is we ought to, just for this season, pick a meal. Listen, instead of leaving 18%, leave 36. Leave 40 and then leave the card. Something extra to show God loves you. If you go in the Starbucks lane, pay for the person behind you. Ask the, ask the barista to, to give them the card on the way there. Just to let them know that, hey, you know, suicide rates are up historically around the holiday seasons. I don't think it's because the holidays are, are so terrible. I think it's because people forget how much they're loved in this season. When they see so much love being spread out. And uh, we want to let them know that someone does love them. There's a church in central Florida that loves them. And there's a God in heaven that loves them and gave up his son to die for them. And uh, and then finally, uh, we've got Christmas at Journey, December 23rd. Yeah, I'm really pumped about this. If you've never been at a Christmas experience at Journey, it's something special. I do want to temper your expectations. We don't have live animals. There are no donkeys. There are no babies in hay. Um, There's nothing like that. But we do do Christmas carols. And we do offer uh, hot chocolate and cookies, and we have decorations. And next Sunday, uh, the church will be completely decorated in Christmas stuff. I'm excited because that's what you do. You wait for Thanksgiving to come before you decorate your house, okay? And the, the Lord just set somebody free right now, all right? Setting up your tree after Halloween. What's wrong with you? And uh, so, uh, so, yeah, after Thanksgiving is when you do it. And so we're going to be doing that, and I just, I just love it. And it's important because I want you to start thinking about now who you'll invite. After Easter Sunday, more people are willing to come to church um, than, uh, on, on Christmas than any other day. And some of you have never invited someone to church, and I just want you to know it is one of the greatest feelings in the entire world, uh, to bring a friend and to watch them uh, give their life um, to Christ. We had a woman recently get married at our church, and uh, her husband got deployed overseas a week after their wedding. Um, and so they got the wedding in time and the honeymoon in time, and then uh, he was gone, and uh, he came up to me. She wanted to bring her husband to me uh, after the worship experience last Sunday, and he met me at the blue tent. He said, hey, I want you to meet my husband. Hey, I heard so much about you. Thank you for serving our country, and then he, he kind of looked me in the eye, got emotional, he said, I just want you to know this is my first time in church in three years. He said, and I love it. And I love it, and I'm so grateful that my, my wife has a place to go home while I'm gone, a people, a community that are gonna love her and make her feel welcome and at home. And, and it's what a, what a great feeling uh, that is. And so, anyway, so I'm, I'm pumped. Listen, if you have a Bible, I want you to open to Leviticus. Ooh, Levit, You know it's gonna be a good sermon when the preacher opens up to Leviticus. Yes. Yes, Leviticus, what? Wherever you want to go. I'm true. I've never preached like this before. The scripture that I'm pulling from today is not even a verse; it's a whole book. I'm serious. I just want to preach to you today from the whole book. I'm gonna go through the whole book in 38 seconds, and then I'm gonna preach from it. I mean, I really want to get to chapter 27 because chapter 27 is a a lot of people ask me where I get my content from when I preach. And it's really a, a variety of places. So I get a lot of it from my kids, as you can tell. Um, whenever they do something crazy, I'm like, there's a message in that somewhere. I just got to just gotta meditate on that. Um, I get a lot of, listen, I, as a preacher, this is my trade. I listen to at least, I wouldn't be exaggerating, at least 10 sermons a week. I listen to other people's sermons. And so I got no shame in taking somebody else's message if it's really good. I had one mentor told me, one mentor told me, he said, if you ever preach something that really is original is probably heresy, is what he told me. He said, because if you're the first person in 2,000 years of biblical history to come up with that idea, double check, <laughs> double check. Um, but a lot of times, um, and the messages that minister to me the most are the ones that, I just, that God just speaks to me in my prayer time. And so I want to be a little bit vulnerable because I'm going to share with you something that I haven't really completely mastered yet. I want to share with you something this morning that I'm still processing, and I want to invite you to process it with me. But it's something that's really encouraging me and really inspiring me. And uh, also, I, I've been doing this thing, you know, the Bible in one year. Anybody ever try that plan? The Bible in one year? Anybody ever try the Bible in one year plan and then around March, you just kind of throw in the towel? <laughs> and you feel guilty that you even started the plan in the first place? Well, so I, I did the Bible in a year. And I probably completed it for the first time in my life last year. And I've been trying it for the last, like, 20. Okay? Ever since the Bible lab was a thing. Uh, and I didn't like, for me, how fast I went through it. So I started this new Bible plan called A Chapter a Day. And, uh, and it takes three years to complete the whole Bible if you read a chapter in a day. And so for the last 30 days, I had the privilege of being in the book of Leviticus. And i got to be honest. Um, if you don't know about church, then that means nothing to you. But if you've ever opened your Bible, I mean, this is to the book of Leviticus. The very first words are the burnt offering. Two things I don't like. <laughs> burnt stuff and offerings. <laughs> and so, Because I have to do something. And I'm just like, this is going to be a boring book because it's a book of laws. And I'm like, I just don't need to know more things that God needs me to do. Come on, somebody. I'm having trouble doing the things I already think he wants me to do. Any, can anybody relate to me? I don't need a book about all the, and all, the way, all the ways I'm failing. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to spend a month on that. I don't think it's going to encourage me. But I did. And, and, and it is a book of rules. I got to be honest. But upon second glance, it really ministered to me. Because I, what I found out. Now, which I also found out now as a parent that I didn't understand as a kid, you know when you're a kid and all your, your parents give you all these rules and you just think that your parents just have to kill your fun? You're like, you're the worst parent ever. Why won't you let me go out past 11 o'clock at night? Oh, because there's bad people past 11 o'clock at night. But you don't know that when you're a teenager. You're just like, you're terrible. Well, that's kind of what I was doing with Leviticus. I looked at Leviticus and I was like, wow. But on second glance, it gave me a window into the heart of God. I'll say it another way. It showed me the love behind the laws. And, and so I read it, and so, but, but it is a book of rules, I'm not going to lie, watch. So <clears throat> I'm going to give you the summary, we're going to go through it real quick. There's 27 chapters in Leviticus, ready? I'm going to give you the summary. Chapter 1, rules about a burnt offering. Chapter 2, rules about grain offering. Chapter 3, rules about fellowship offering. Chapter 4, rules about sin offering. Every time it says offering, by the way, it, it means you have to kill something, okay? Rules about guilt offering. Rules about burnt offering, again, he hit it twice. We're in chapter 6 right now, he just doubled up on the burnt (laughs) offering, just doing reviews. Rules on the grain offering, rules on the guilt offering, chapter 7. Chapter 8, rules on eating blood, don't do it. Rules on chapter uh, 9, rules on being a priest. Chapter 10, the death of Nadab and Abihu, they died. You know why? Because they broke the rules, that's right. Chapter 11, rules on eating clean and unclean food. Chapter 12, rules on giving birth. Okay? Chapter 13, rules on skin disease. I mean, he's thorough, okay. <laughs> chapter 14, rules on skin disease. Two chapters on skin diseases. Uh, chapter 17, rules on the day of atonement. Chapter 17, rules on eating blood. He really doesn't want you to eat blood, okay. Rules on chapter 18. Uh, chapter 18, rules on sex. I love chapter 19. This is what chapter 19 is the title in my Bible. Various laws. God put a, God, you know that miscellaneous budget line item that you, God just put a miscellaneous budget line item in. And if it didn't fit, various rules. These are the ones I couldn't categorize. Um, chapter 20, punishments for breaking the rules. Chapter 21, punishments for breaking the rules if you're a priest. Almost there, guys. Um, chapter 22, you must follow the rules. Chapter 23, rules on how to throw a party. You got party rules. (laughs) Or they call them festivals. Chapter 24, rules, um, you will die if you break the rules. (laughs) Chapter 25, it's what it says. Chapter 25, the Sabbath year, rules on resting. Rules on taking a day off. God actually has rules on taking a day off. Because some of you guys think you're taking a day off by not working, but, but you're reading about work when you're home. And your family's not getting the best of you because you're still focused on what you're working on, even though you're not in the office? That's for me. That's for me. Chapter 26, it kind of turns positive. What happens if you keep the rules? Quickly followed by what happens if you break the rules. (laughs) Like right after. (laughs) Chapter 27. And and, and, and chapter 27 is what ministry to me, and it's really what I want to hone in on today, because it's almost as if God can feel the exhaustion. It's almost as if God can feel that we're feeling the pressure. It's almost as if God can feel the weight. It's almost as if God can feel like, okay, I know I've been giving you a lot of rules and a lot of things you have to do, but in chapter 27, here's what God says. Rules for making a vow. If anyone makes a special vow, if anyone wants to make a special vow, it's chapter 27, verse 2, it's not on the screen, don't worry about it. If anyone wants to make a special vow, here is how you do it. And and if if you're reading this for the first time, you might think, well, that's nothing special. That's just another rule on top of rules. But it's not. It is the perfectly placed, purposeful punctuation on God's 26 chapters before. You know, a punctuation mark, like 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 a question mark or an exclamation point, how it assigns meaning to everything that precedes it. Chapter 27 is that because chapter 27 assigns meaning to everything that came before because it looks like just another rule. But it's the one offering, the one offering in all of the 27 chapters that you don't have to do. It's the one thing that you can do if you want to. And it's almost like God is saying the way to keep a law from feeling like a load the way to keep obedience from feeling like an obligation the way to keep on smiling even though you're sacrificing is realizing that everything i just said you don't have to i know i'm not going to get a lot of amens on that you might consider switching churches after i just said that but let me explain you don't, he ends chapter 27 on a vow, something that you don't have to do. And I believe it's because he's telling us, hey, chapter 1 through 26, listen, you don't have to. Just like chapter 27 is a choice, 1 through 26 is a choice too. That's the title of my message today. You don't have to. You don't have to. Tell your neighbor you don't have to. And if they didn't say anything to you. Tell them, you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to. Do you know that you don't have to? Oh, that will free you. Do you know that you don't have to go to work? You don't have to. You don't. You don't have to get paid either. <laughs> but in, the re- in reality, you don't have to. Do you know that you don't have to go to college? I know there's some parents right now that are really upset because their teenagers heard that. But the truth is they're going to be 18 and they're going to realize it's a choice. Do you know that you don't have to burn off those Thanksgiving carbs? Those carbs are perfectly fine, evolving into fat cells and living with you for the next 15 years. They've got no problem. You don't have to. Do you know that you don't have to give to the legacy offering? You don't have to. Do you know that when the worship leader says, hey, lift up your hands and worship God, can I tell you a secret? tell them you don't have to and that's so important to understand because the moment you realize you don't have to you're free to you're free to the moment you realize you don't have to this freed me and i'm sharing this with you because recently i had a, a ministry trip a, a preaching i was uh, i was in alabama for three days preaching straight three days probably four or five times Then I got on a plane, flew across the country to Washington State. Okay, that's a long flight. Preached there three or four more times. That was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. On Saturday, I was going to catch the red eye. The red eye, if you're not familiar with the term, is a flight that gets you in at 4 or 5 a.m. I was going to take a red eye from Washington State into Orlando to come here and preach to you guys. And while I was sitting in the terminal, exhausted, burnt out, and I was telling myself... You know, and I'm just being honest and being transparent. I'm thinking, man, I, was just, I love people and I love Jesus, but I'm tired. <laughs> and and I, I don't want to, and for a second, I thought, I don't want to go to Orlando right now. I have, but I have to. I have to. I have to go. I have to go. And as I said that, I looked across the gate. It was like gate 17. And I looked at gate 18, which was right next to gate 17 in the Seattle airport. And gate 18 said... Honolulu. <laughs> and it was Orlando. Honolulu. And I just thought to myself, I would love to get on that. And I started imagining what Honolulu would be like. The piña coladas. The virgin piña coladas. Stuff. <laughs> the Pacific Ocean the sun, the relaxation. And as I thought about Honolulu, I thought about the days, listen, when I used to pay people to let me preach. I, I, you don't remember those days because you didn't know me, but my wife does. I, I would get asked to come to places. You would say, how does that work? I would get asked to come to places like Miami, living, living in Gainesville, and they say, hey, would you come preach at our church? I'm like, absolutely. Um, it's a long ride. You know, there's tolls, there's all that. Gas alone is like, you know, $150 or whatever with, with tolls and all that. I'm um, like, you know, how much can you pay me to get down there? They're like, we got $100. I'm like, it's going to cost me 150 200 just to get there. And they're like, that's all we got. I was like, done. I'm all there. I remember having to pay people. To to go to pre- And when I get there, if they didn't have the money or anything like that, I didn't care. It was such a privilege. It was such a joy. I would take as many speaking engagements as possible. I remember those days, uh, getting the phone call and how excited I was. And then as I remembered that, I looked at this and I thought, you are flying to two different states to preach to 5,000 people. To come back to a church that didn't even exist two years ago. And it hit me. Listen, I no longer felt pressured. I felt privileged. And I went from I have to to I get to. But I didn't get there the moment I realized that I didn't have to. Because I was sitting there, the Lord told me, he said, you don't have to. You don't have to. He said, we got other people that work at this church. Call Joey. Tell them that you can't make it. Tell them to fight the other day. Tell them something about Honolulu. Just tell them to preach. You don't have to. And when I realized I didn't have to, I told the Lord in my own way, in my own spirit, in my own heart. I said, yeah, but I want to. I want to. You got to be careful. It's so subtle when the things in our lives that used to be opportunities begin to feel like obligations. I want to talk to somebody right now who is expecting a child or who one day would like a child. Let me tell you all the prayer that you're going to put into your child and when they come into the world in that wonderful, beautiful, innocent, smell good baby form, I just want you to know that one day they will have a sports game. One day they will have a recital. One day they will have a rehearsal. And the very baby that you were excited about, now you got to clear your calendar out for. And if we're not careful what felt like an opportunity, will begin to feel like an obligation. I want to talk to anybody who is going to college, or is in college and is beginning to regret it. Or not regret it, but having frustrations. Do you remember what it felt like to get that acceptance letter? Do you remember how they made it seem so cool? Like the letterhead was shiny? And it made it sound like there was a thousand other people who could have got in, but you, you got picked. You know, never mind it came from Valencia, you know, community college. You didn't care. It was an acceptance letter. Remember how it felt like an opportunity, but now you got to get up for 730 class? And all of a sudden, what, began as an opportunity? Come on, somebody. Now it begins to feel like like an obligation. You remember that job? Remember when they called you? And they were like, you got the job, congratulations. You were like, "Woo!" Then you actually had to get dressed for the job and go to the job. Do you remember how that opportunity began to feel like obligation? I want to talk to married people, or people who are one day getting, getting married. Do you remember that first date that you went on and all the butterflies and the feeling that you felt? I want you to know that one day you're going to have to actually schedule date nights into your busy schedule. And if you're not careful, the date that once felt like an opportunity can begin to feel like an obligation. Does anybody remember what it felt like when we first fell in love with Jesus? Like when we first gave our lives to Christ, for those who are Christian, when we first decided to lift our hands, when we first decided to surrender, when we first said yes. Remember how excitingly we opened up our Bible? Man, I remember when I got saved. Like I grew up in church my whole life, but I really really didn't get saved until I was like like 12, maybe even 17. I'm not sure. It was somewhere in there. But I remember opening up my Bible like it was the cheat code to life. Going through every page, just wanting to eat it all up, everything. Even Leviticus. Just wanting it all. Isn't it crazy how the thing that once felt like a joy, the thing that once felt like an opportunity, if we're not careful how prayer can feel like an obligation. How reading our Bible can feel like an obligation. How coming to church can feel like an obligation. And I just want to speak to anybody who, whose opportunities are beginning to feel like a, obligations. obligation. Anybody who, whose joy... Is beginning to feel like a job. Does life feel like a job for you sometimes? If so, let me encourage you. God did not come so that you can have life as a job. He came to make sure every day was filled with joy. I know that goes contrary to everything you know about the Bible, because if you're not really a Christian and people tell you about this book, they might tell you that this is a book full of rules, a book full of things that God wants you to have to do. But I want to tell you that God doesn't want you to have to do anything. The devil is the one who wants you to have to do. If you go to the book of Genesis, you'll see that Adam and Eve ate a fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. And that's kind of how this whole sin thing happened. But you know why they were able to eat that fruit in the first place? Because they had a choice to. God isn't the one trying to make you a slave. Sin is. The devil is. Jesus Christ, let me put it this way. Jesus Christ died on the cross literally so you don't have to. Literally. To give you the choice. And I'll take it another step. Don't come to church. I know this sounds harsh. But don't come here if you feel like you have to. I think he would prefer you not. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians. Listen, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. You gotta want this or don't feel like you have to do this. Because it robs you and it robs God of love. You know, when... Uh, 10 years ago when my wife and I decided to get married, I put on a tuxedo. She put on a white dress. Her white dress was beautiful. My tuxedo was two sizes too big. It was really big, babe. I don't know why we got it so big. I look at those pictures now and I'm like, what happened? And we get to the altar and you know what the pastor says when he gets there? He goes, he goes do, do you promise to, to, to be with this person in sickness and in health? You know what I said? I do. Not, I guess I have to. How sick are we talking? <laughs> in, in riches or in poor, I do. Not I have to. It was I do. And, and, and you know why it was I do? Because we were making a promise. Not to feel forced to serve each other. Not even to always want to serve each other. But we were making a promise to choose to serve each other. And that's why we call it a vow. And listen, those vows aren't easy, always easy to keep. Especially with me. I know I look like I got it all together up here in the pulpit, but I got some issues. I can be tough to live with at times. Thank God Liz didn't say amen at that point right there. That was her window. But especially in that whole sickness and health thing. Anybody like me, just, just be honest. I'm going to talk to the fellas here. Just be honest. When you get sick, you are just the biggest baby in the whole world. Come on. There's one guy being honest. There's another guy being honest. Okay, thank you, men. Thank you. You know what it's like. I don't know what it is, a mom complex or what. But I lay in my bed. I can move. I just don't want to. (laughs) Hey, I'm sick. I'm hungry. Can you make me a soup? I'm just waiting for one day for her to be like, make your own soup. I'm just waiting. She's never said that. Every time she said yes, she's done it. Listen, because she chose to do it, Her vow comes from a deeper place, not even an emotion. Her vow comes from love. And here's what I want to talk to you about. What happens if you lose love for the things that you were committed to? I know this is getting real, but what happens if you lose love for your family? What happens if you begin to lose love for your marriage? What happens if you begin to lose love for your children? What happens if you begin to lose love for God? And, and we're doing it, but we're doing it because we have to, not because we want to. Pretty soon we're going to let go of that responsibility. I I don't think that obligation makes us more responsible. I think obligation makes us want to run away from that responsibility. And I think if we don't fix that, I think one day we're going to walk away from the thing that God called us to be in. And so how do you do that? How do you find that passion again? How do you find that love again? How do you get excited? How do you go from have to to get to? I'm going to tell you how to do it really quick. I'm going to give you three things. The first thing you want to do to get to, not have to, but to get to, to get to be married, to get to come home to your kids, to get to go to work, to get to come to church, to get to pray, to get to that place, all right? That was like the second title of my message, getting to get to, but I thought it would be too complicated. So I just said you don't have to, but how you get to get to in the morning, you got to find your why. Find your why. Find your why. You know, I hate running. Anybody with me? I hate running. Uh, To me, uh, running is of the devil, okay? And uh, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I know we got a lot of runners at church. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying there's a reason why runners on Sunday are always running, okay? Because they're not at church. All right? Um, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I don't like running because I wish I could, but I can't. I'm just a terrible runner. All right, but if I was going to be a runner, I think I'd be a sprinter. Because the sprinter only has to run for a little bit, and a sprinter can be next to next to the competition. Here's a race I would never run in, a marathon. Did you know that some marathons take up to eight hours to complete? I could never run a marathon because I know that at some point in the race, not only am I not going to be able to see the finish line, but I'm also not going to be able to see anybody running with me. It's just going to be me. And at that point, here's what I'm going to ask myself. Why? Why am I running right now? And listen, some of you guys are beginning to wrestle with your faith. Some of you are beginning to wrestle with your family. Not because you don't love them anymore, but because you've been doing it for so long. You've been a Christian for so long. You've been married for so long. You've been coming to church for so long. You've been working at the same job for so long. And when you do something for a long time, you begin to ask why. And if you lose your why, you lose your way. If you get caught up in the how, if you get caught up in the what, if you get caught up in the mundane, in the day-to-day, you'll lose your why. So I'm going to tell you how to find your why. Number one, you've got to find your why in the past. You've got to find your why in the past. I told you Leviticus 27 is one end of the book of Leviticus. But if you want to find the true meaning of Leviticus, you got to go to the other end of Leviticus too. The beginning of Leviticus. That's how I did it in college. Sometimes they would assign us like four books to read in a month. When I was getting my MDiv, there's no way you could read it. I asked one of my professors, I'm like, you don't actually expect us to read all these books. It's impossible. He's like, just read the first couple chapters and read the last couple chapters. Don't tell nobody. Um, And he said, if you do that, you'll get a pretty good idea of what's in the middle. And if you want to get a good idea of what's in Leviticus, not just chapter 27, but you know what comes before chapter 27? You know what comes before Leviticus? The book of Exodus. And guess what happens in Exodus? The Red Sea splits. Somebody say, wow. Wow. The sun blacks out. Somebody say, wow. Wow. Plagues of locusts and frogs and and boils. Somebody say, "Wow." wow. The people walk through the Red Sea. It collapses on the Egyptians. Somebody say, wow. And here's what I realized, that the the Israelites were able to make a vow in chapter 27 because they said, wow, in Exodus. The wow always precedes the vow. And here's what God told me to tell somebody today. The reason why you lost your why is because you lost your wow. There used to be things in your life you used to say, wow, about. I know I'm not just talking to married people today, but remember when you used to say, wow, about your spouse? Now you say, now you say, why? why why are you so dumb why are you so selfish and you keep saying why and you're losing your why you need to stop asking why and start remembering wow let's go through this little exercise real quick okay remember how poorly you used to dress somebody say wow remember that bad acne phase you went through somebody say wow remember all the other people who said no to you somebody say wow And she or he picked you anyway. Somebody say why. (laughs) you find your wow, and you'll find your why. Your job. Remember when you used to say wow about your job? Now you say why. Listen, I don't care where you work. If you make minimum wage in America, if you make minimum wage in America one day, of salary for minimum wage is greater than a month's salary in some countries, somebody say, wow. 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 You want to find purpose in your profession again? Think about that. Wow. I know I joke about my kids but and sports and stuff, but for real, man, sometimes I ask why in those t-ball games. Because they're not good. <laughs> None of those little boys are good. Like the ball's right there on the tee. They can't hit it. It comes their way. They run the opposite. And I'm just looking at this and, I, and all the things that I clear out of my calendar to be there. And I'm saying, why? Are oh, we even here right now? Why? But then I watch my, my little guy get up there. Maybe maybe it's different because I lost a, a child. And, and I see how fleeting life is. But I see the way he puts on those pants. He's got a little tush in there. And when he does finally make contact and when he runs and I see life in motion and that he's the product of Liz and myself and I see this little wonder. You know, what I look at him, I was saying, why a second ago? But now I'm looking at him run to first and I'm going, wow. Yeah, let's play another inning. Let's do it again. Wow. You want to rediscover your passion for Christ? You want to rediscover your passion for Jesus? Hey, say wow. He took nails in his hands. Somebody say wow. He put a crown of thorns on his head. Somebody say, wow. He left heaven with all of its riches and all of its glory, and he didn't have to. Somebody say, wow. Wow. Now think about you. Somebody say, wow. (laughs) Think about all the poor choices you made. Say, wow. Wow. Think about that one time you made a promise to God where you said, God, if you do this, I'll do this, and he did it. Say, wow. Wow. But you didn't do your part. Say, Wow. And he knew that, but he got up on the cross anyway, knowing that you'd turn your back on him, knowing that it would take you 20 years to come back to him, knowing that there'd be a portion of this world that would never give their life to him. He did it anyway. Somebody say, wow. Oh, come on. Somebody give God praise like you don't have to. Somebody give God praise like you get to, like you want to, like you realize, wow, he saved me. He rescued me. He delivered me. He didn't have to. And I don't have to. Wow, wow, wow. I get to. You gotta rediscover your why. Rediscover your why. Rediscover your wow. And if the past isn't enough, look to the future. You know what the Bible says in Matthew? You can find your why in the future. You know what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 23? That one day we are gonna stand before God in heaven in all of his splendor, and he's gonna look at us and say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in, and in that moment, every insecurity, every need of validation that you thought you needed other people to fill is going to be filled. In that moment, when he looks at you and says, you did it. If you need something to drive you, if you need to find a why, look to your past and look to all the miracles and look to all that God has done. But also look to the future and look how He is, what he is going to do and what is waiting for you on the other side of eternity. Wow, somebody say wow. Find your wow and you'll find your why. I'm going to hit these next two really quickly. Number two. Not just find your why, find your ritual. Find your ritual. What's funny is that in between Exodus's wow and Leviticus 27's vow is Leviticus 1 through 26, and you know what that is? The how. Do you know why he makes us do all these festivals? Do you know why he, he made them do it over and over again? So they could remember their why. Do you know why, why God made it a rule to have a Passover meal once a year? Because he wanted them to remember how they took them out of, out, of, out of Egypt. Do you know why he made them do a festival called the Festival of Tents, which is setting up a t- literally living outside of your house in a tent for a certain season? Do you know why he wanted them to celebrate that? Because he wanted them to remember how God got them through the desert. Do you know why Jesus said, Hey, do this in remembrance of me? And before he left, instituted as a holy ordinance, holy communion, eating the bread and drinking the juice, drinking the wine. Do you know why he did that? He said, Because I want you to remember me. Remember your why. I've said this before, but motion creates emotion. Some of us, we're losing our passion because we do things once in a while, and God is asking us to do it more consistently. People who hate the gym are people who go to the gym every once in a while. People who love the gym are people who go consistently. And they didn't do it because they were passionate about it in the beginning, but going and going and going, it became a part of who they were. The more you do something, the more it becomes a part of who you are. But you gotta make sure you get your why in place first, or else your ritual will become religion and your motion will just feel like the motions. And so, once you get your why, then you keep coming. Oh, keep praying. Keep reading your Bible. Keep coming to church. Keep going on date nights. Keep having that family time with your kids. Keep showing up to work. If you get your why in place and you just stick to it over and over and over again, the passion will follow. But don't abandon the process, which is my last thing. The reason why we abandon the process and the reason why we run away from our responsibility and the reason why we leave, listen, is not because we have a problem with God's process, but because we have a problem with God's pace. Here's my last point find your why, find your ritual, find your rhythm. Find your rhythm. You gotta understand that what God is doing in your life, He's doing on His time. His time. His time. His time. Can we do a little metronome thing? I want you guys to hear something really quick in the loudspeaker. Can we play it? Go ahead, play this. Yeah. Do you guys know what that is? It's a metronome. It keeps the beat for the the band. It keeps them all playing. Now, you don't hear it, but that's actually in their ears right now. How annoying is that? (laughs) They're singing their song while they're hearing that, but you know why? Because it's hard to keep the beat. Right? I want everybody to clap on the beat. Ready? Hold on. Keep clapping, but we're going to shut that off in a second. Okay? Ready? Go. There it is, right there. Somebody messed up. It's probably a white person. Messed up. All right? Just that, just that. Hey, I'm white on the inside. I can make that joke, okay? Um. You know why it gets harder when the metronome quits? Because we're trying to keep pace ourselves, and what we have to understand is that we are not the keepers of our pace. God is the one who sets the pace, and we just gotta we just gotta stick to His beat. And we're getting frustrated because things aren't working out. But here's what Philippians chapter two says. Put it up real quick. For God is working in you. See, when things aren't working out, it's because God is working in. And I know there are some people here who wish it could go faster. Wish that, wish that their child will already be healed. Wish that they could already get that job. There's some people here who probably wish things would go slower. If you have a teenager at home, you know what I'm talking about. You just wish things would go slower. Just slow it down. But you have to understand is that we can we can step into God's process and we can step into God's purpose. But we can't determine God's pace. He's going to do it in your life in his time. He's gonna bring you healing in His time, and don't get frustrated. Listen, it's coming back. You just gotta stay. It's coming back. You just gotta just stick to the beat and let Him work in you. He is working in you. Hear me. Your passion is not gone. It's growing, but at God's pace. I can imagine what the Israelites felt like going in the desert for forty years, and they thought they thought when nothing was happening. They thought when they were living in the desert, God has abandoned us. God didn't abandon us. God was growing them in His time, and in His time was forty years. You gotta just be at peace. And this is what happens when you give up the clock. Oh, I, I pray God would deliver somebody right now to let go of their clock. Here's what happens when you let go of the clock: you get joy, you get rest, not having to have it in my timetable. I'm dying for my husband to come back to church in His time. Dying for my son or daughter to come back in His time. I, I gotta get into this profession in his time. I wish that I was passionate about the things of the Lord and I wish I was on fire like that person doing worship like Jotty when she jumps in. I wish that came naturally to me but it doesn't in his time. All you gotta do is keep the ritual find the why. Find the why, find the ritual and God will work in you. God will work in you. God will work in you. Bow your head and close your eyes. God will work in you. Somebody here today, you've lost your why. You've lost your why. You've been doing this for a long time. I want you to know that God is here. You want a relationship with Jesus, you're just not sure if you're ready. And I just think now is the time. You lost your joy, you lost your hope, you lost your passion. This is your chance. If you're here today and you want to give your life to God, you feel like God's now working in you, but He is. You just got to give it over, make a decision. When I say three, if that's you, I want you to raise your right hand as a signal, as a sign, yes, Jesus, coming in my heart. I want to live a life with you. I want to start new and fresh today. On three, raise your right hand as a signal. One, two, three, right now, Jesus, coming into my heart. Come on, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Two, three, four, five. Put your hand down. Six. Church, let's pray this together. Worship team, let's pray together. Into the mics, let's pray it. Father, I'm here here. today. Today. I'm here here. again. Again. Take my life. I want to start this journey brand new. new. I know know. you have not left me. You've always been there. And I'm ready to rediscover my why, it's you. You don't have to, you don't have to. When you realize all that he's done for you, you realize that you get to. In Jesus name we pray, amen.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text Journey ORL to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.